They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Might even be shorter than yesterday, but I tend to get myself trapped when I start out that way. Have a good show planned for you today. Was actually not going to have a show today. Had an outstanding interview with Brooke Jackson following up from yesterday when we realized that was supposed to be connecting with her and 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 discuss where everything has gotten from the last time we spoke and, and some new important information that'll be coming out tomorrow for you all to watch. Put up three articles from Robert today that he's just knocking it out of the park. Syria being attacked by Israel. Then when just Syria responds, Israel fires back. And then everyone in the Western media frames it as Israel defending itself. And it's verifiable. This is easy stuff to look up. And it's just amazing how willfully dishonest they're being today. And it's just being very, very clearly shown because of, I think a lot more people are waking up to the general dishonesty of the government and the media of more than I've ever seen. Just a matter of holding on to that. But today we're going to talk specifically about the UK data that just came out. As we just talked about Scotland yesterday, we're going to be talking about an important point about this is something that's been circulating in some partisan media. doesn't mean it's incorrect, but that's where I'm seeing it. And it's really obvious. And this is a really important point that we're going to end with today in regard to the, the 2020 in general, which was a full year compared to 2021, which they'll, I'll give you their argument. Well, there's two months that were different and carry over and so on. But even with everything they're saying, it's an undeniable reality to just look at these things side by side and go, you know, and, and giving even giving the caveats, you know, maybe there was something different that happened and variants and whatever else. That when you just look side by side, it's pretty incredible that the miracle injection that they still claim is a miracle saving everyone's lives seemingly made everything a hell of a lot worse, unless they want to add in how more than double is where 2021 is compared to 2020. And 2022 is looking like it's going to be, I mean, depending on how this right now seems to be tapering away a little bit, if it continues on the scale it was in the first couple of months in 2022, it, 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 bottom line is just taking the last two months, the first two months of 2022 and comparing it to the other months in those same time frames. It's very, very much, and we are very much in a worse situation for whatever reason or whatever you think is causing that, just comparing them is quite obvious. And I don't know how that's not something that just makes people at least go, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> on top of literally everything else in this entire conversation, but it's just one more of those things. But we're going to talk about the UK data. And I wanted to make a point about this to start before I read this letter. I don't want to forget to read this. It's really important for me to you guys all to understand. And you, all, you know this from my work. You guys watch this show long enough, for those of you that have, to know that what I do is, is I mean, almost entirely driven by what I think is important. And that is, I do my best to make that completely independent of whatever's popular. Of course, no matter what you do, what is popular, what seems to be the most relevant at the moment, it, 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 it drives your direction to some degree. But I always try to taper that on, I don't want it to be about what is the most popular topic of the day. 
I want, I want, if it happens to be, and it's also the most important, then that's just a benefit for, for, you know, for the person doing the show. But I want what I do every day to be what I think is most important, whether or not that's even the most entertaining, right? Because I do get that this is a show and people want to watch it, but it never in my mind is it about showmanship or entertainment at, at, at any point that's at cost to the content. And you guys know that by now. The only reason I'm saying this is because I do know that a lot of you out there, even the long-term viewers, it's becoming redundant. But it's not redundant, especially because the information is different every week. My point being is that even though I know that, and I know that some of you may say, oh, here, we're going to go over the Scotland data. We know that it's worse than, it, you know, bottom line, you kind of expect what's going to happen and you may not want to watch that show. And that's fine by me. Not to say that's a bad thing. Just tune in next week. My point is that it's important for me and important for the continuity of the information, important for the truth that we keep doing this. And that's kind of my point about saying that. I know that that's not the flashiest new thing that's happening today in a lot of people's minds, but nonetheless, I personally find it to be incredibly important. And I do know that you guys know it's important as well, even though you already know where we're going with this. Because again, on top of that, the final point is why we need to remember why we're all doing this, hopefully, is to reach those people right? Not necessarily that we all stay on the same page, but that we continue to fight for that truth to awaken the others to see what we're realizing. And that's what this stuff can do. I mean, you get somebody in the right, in the right moment and have four shows in a row showing for the last four months that this data has continually shown the kind of thing we're doing. And that can reach somebody like legitimately reach somebody who is even remotely ready to hear it. Because obviously we know that no matter what you have in front of you, if they're just not ready to hear it, it just won't happen. But on that note, we're going to go into the UK data today, which is interesting and a lot of interest. There's a lot of interesting parts of it that are different and changing that I think show us a lot of things or really just show you contradictions. I'm going to point out a couple of things that just simply don't make sense, even as they kind of go back and forth. Like, for instance, on the unvaccinated category today, in the cases at the very least, the number is quite higher. But nonetheless, still the vast majority on the side of the injected, which is always the point. And the risk in general in cases are still the same. The risk is higher. But we're going to go over this and give you a couple points on why we think this is and continue to make the argument of why they're playing with the data and why this is even more obvious with every report that we get. Now, before we get into that, I wanted to read this letter because it was really touching to me. Now, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm trying. I'm going to cover the name. Just I don't know whether people want their names to be said aloud. But this is something that it really did touch me. And, and it's not just because it was kind words about how we're, what we're doing. It's because this is why I do this. This is the epitome. This is the reason why I do this job. I'll just read it to you. It says, I'll try to keep this short as I know you're a busy guy. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you from myself and my entire family. At the beginning of this pandemic, if you can call it that, I was extremely worried for my parents. They were 65 and had retired literally months before this all started, planning to travel the world. They were avid CNN watchers, and they were almost positive that they were going to get the injection in order to fulfill their dreams of retirement travel. Just thinking about that makes breaks my heart. We know how many people have been pushed into that without even realizing that they were staking, they're just trusting the government, going, oh, well, they said it's safe, so we do want to do that, and, it's, and, and there's your coercion. They most likely probably would have ignored it or not done it, or they might have. Yet they got driven into it. Like a lot of people, they thought it was the only way and that there was no risk. Without your top-notch, honest, passionate journalism, there is no way I would have been able to get them to see what is going on and that there is, a, in fact, risk and lies out there. Here we are two years later, and they are loyal fans of yours. They watch every single show posted on T-Lab. They did not get the injection, and I honestly feel like you have saved my parents' life. 
not only in physical health, but in mental health as well. Thank you and, and your entire team. Keep up the good work, and we really appreciate everything more than you could imagine. It really does get me. It's just crazy. It's, it's, we did save their lives. And I think you know that. And I don't, whether or not you believe that that is dangerous or whatever else, the bottom line is we informed them about what the reality of the risk was, and it gave them informed consent that the government refused to give them. And damn it, man, that's exactly why we do this. And I tell you, we are reaching people every single day. Now, let's start off with something here that I think is really important or really just really cool in general. And I want to give a shout out. I forgot to do it yesterday. I was on, I was on a, uh, a really great radio show yesterday or a day before yesterday. And I think it just came out either today or yesterday, but it's called the Audi podcast. And his name is Odyssey or Audi short. And this is on modern retro radio. And we just had a really great conversation. Uh, I believe the link there is at the bottom and you can find it on the website, uh, but it's really entertaining conversation. And it was, and, and it's a radio show where he plays a lot of independent music. And it was kind of a crossover interview about the music that I write, as well as what we do on the show. And I just want to give a shout out because I really enjoyed the interview and I think they're doing great work. Now, on top of that, one thing that I am really angry at myself for not shouting out that I should have been doing from day one. And I've said it before. And I feel like I think what I what my problem is, I think this is kind of self-explanatory and like I expect people to know to do this. But something like James Corbett has been really focusing on for a while, which is direct subscription, stuff like this. For those in the podcast, I'm showing the subscription to Feed Blitz, which is what I happen to use. Which, to be quite honest, I, I there's I want to I would have wanted to switch a while ago. It's not a terrible platform, but I'm just it's been I've been using it for so long, and I just it's hard to switch these things. I mean, and not really. It's <laughs> probably probably laughing at me out there for doing that, but hey, come help me switch it. But anyway, the point is, if you are out there and you're a subscriber, or a a follower of the Last American Vagabond, whether you're on any whatever platform you are using, I plead with you to take ten seconds, click this link, or go to my website, go to the website itself. Click subscribe and subscribe to The Last American Vagabond. It's our mailer. We get, it sends out one mailer a day. If one, one email a day from T-Lab is too much for you, then, then I guess don't do it. One mailer a day with everything that's important and it comes out every morning. You can subscribe right here. You can see your website. Oh, shoot. I got to remove the YouTube. I didn't realize that was still there. Oh, and the YouTube backup. Jeez, it's crazy. I still have the Twitter, twi- tw- uh, the t- Twitter link right there. Anyway. BitChute, podcast. If you want to subscribe, just the podcast right there. Anyway, the point is subscribe to the website. It takes you to this page or this page here and you won't miss anything. This is so important to me, guys, because what we're talking about today is their effort in every possible way to disconnect you from us. And and especially in a way that you don't realize that we disconnected. That leaves you thinking, gee, did Ryan give up? Did he stop doing the work? It must've gotten too much for him, right? Like I have somebody on Facebook who I'm, I see, I've, I've seen there for years, who's been following the show, who's probably heard me say a thousand times, don't let them be the conduit between you and our information. And when I got censored on Facebook momentarily before they booted me off the platform, in case you didn't hear that, that was a couple of days ago. I saw the comments after I went back on and she was like, oh, I thought, where'd you go? Did you give up? Like literally asking me that. You, you can't go to the website? You can't, ch- I mean, I shouldn't say it like that, but it frustrates, guys, you got to check out the Last American Vagabond website. Otherwise, at some point, as Corbett has been saying before it happened to him too, they will pull the rug out and you will wonder where we went. And meanwhile, we're doing seven shows a week, five shows a week, however many ends up being, and you still think we're gone, right? So please reach us here so you don't miss anything. If that's what you want, we will continue to fight for you as always. 
One of the, another thing I wanted to add here before we jumped over into the starting point was a really interesting follow-up to the story that we kind of randomly talked about at the end of the show. Just, I mean, you remember, it was all these weird things falling out of the sky in multiple locations. But here's the interesting part about this. We saw two videos. One was at daytime and one was at night. And this wasn't some you know, different place in the world view. Like this was different places, different times. And yet it was the similar look. And yet all the, and here, the point was when we talked about that, for those who don't remember, it was just, a, it looked like a, you know, like 40 different meteors coming down at the same time. I've never seen anything like it. At the time, the news said, oh, it's a SpaceX crash. Remember? That's what we talked about. And I said, well, that's, I, I don't believe that the way it looks. And now this is yesterday. All of a sudden they follow up and they go, oh, uh, we either lied or reported complete garbage, which is what they typically do. Turns out it was 40, apparently 40, this is what their narrative is, of its new Starlink satellites just falling out of orbit. I mean, first of all, why in the world is that just a casual headline that should be like, holy, that's a big deal. Is that not dangerous? The things are just ca- fall at 40 at the, I mean, the idea, first of all, is that why we're allowing this kind of casual thing where like com- corporations are putting things up to the point where 40 of them can simultaneously fall on top of your head. That doesn't sound like something we should be okay with. On top of that, though, I don't even know if that's actually what happened. But it's pretty weird, isn't it? My point before, we don't know what the hell is going on up there. Whether governments, Russia, China, US, I mean, it's a wild west up there right now. So that just really concerns me the more that we, when we're so focused on what's going on here, what in the hell is going on up there? Right. This is just what we're told. I mean, just got to go. Okay, <laughs> I guess so. Because how in the world you would vet this? It, it's incredible. But as it says, only a fraction of the 49 satellites they launched into orbit last week survived a geomagnetic storm. You know, my thoughts would be like, okay, so is that? I, I know, I, I know those things are happening. But it's like, are they doing something to trigger these things? Right? Are they doing something up there to cause this reaction? Like, my concern are for things that we see, like you know, uh, about solar flares or different things we've talked about. Who knows what they're doing and what that can cause and exacerbate? Like, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't like that these people are up there doing things that could affect your life, like everything else they do around the world. And it's so far removed from our view that we never even think about it. Very interesting to me. But I also like the fact that it was a narrative that flipped and now it's something else. And we just go, okay. You know, that we don't reflect on that the news was wildly incorrect and now they just update it. <laughs> so why'd you report the, you know, you get the point. It's, it's pretty ridiculous, but that's mainstream today. Now, I wanted to say that we had that great interview with Brooke Jackson today, and I want to go ahead and I want to say that if you have not watched this interview, I recommend that you watch this today before we air that tomorrow, if you haven't already watched it, because it's powerful. And on this interview is where we literally go over so you can see it with the source material linked in the show notes to everything she's talking about, all of the falsified information, all of the, all of the documentation showing that they were discussing how there were integrity issues with the data and on and on and before and while and after she was there, even though they pretend that never happened, it's verifiable. That's what blows me away. That's what we talked about today in the interview that, I mean, it, this is fraud. I mean, they are actively involved in a cover up. And I'm not afraid to say that because we proved it on the show. And so too did the British Medical Journal. They're still fighting this. They're still holding their ground. Apparently, the British Medical Journal is about to come out with something big still, despite Pfizer and Matavia and Icon and the government and everybody pretending they're conspiracy theorists writing on a health blog, despite being the one of the leading health journals. In the, I mean, it's just embarrassing the way they're framing this. But please watch this interview because it's important. And tomorrow will be even more important. Now. On that note, I wanted to start with one thing that I talked about from, 
I don't know why I said on that note, but <laughs> I still want to start with something from Canada that we just talked about yesterday. And it's just a quick follow-up because I, the whole video was sent to me and it's only four minutes. And I wanted you guys to see this because regardless of the fact that this old guy does seem a little loopy and that the people involved with it were screaming and yelling partisan, not talking points and whatever else, not necessarily mean that they're wrong, but it doesn't matter when you, re- when you take a minute and realize how they're acting when this guy simply honked his horn. On top of the fact that these cops are openly hostile towards people, regardless of whether they're conducting themselves in a constitutionally allowed way. But let's watch this for a second, because this is pretty crazy. What did he do wrong? Uh, And just right out of the gate, just make sure you heard, he said, when he said, what did he do wrong? The cop says, none of your effing concern. Yeah, protect and serve, right? God forbid you should have to explain yourself to people. That, I mean, you, that's, that is their mentality right now. None of your effing concern. Excuse me? Right? Don't we pay your salary? Aren't you working to protect the population? No, because they are working to enforce the government's mandates. That is literally their job description today. And wait until he explains how this is law because it got posted on my things that I'm reading from today. This guy doesn't even understand what the law means if all he's saying is, well, they told me I have to enforce it, therefore I am. That is a mindless brown shirt enforcer, and this person doesn't understand his job. None of them do, it seems. You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer his question, sir. You don't have to answer his question, sir. And take note of the fact that that cop right there just literally opened that guy's door and made it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a process to this stuff. We just need to see how how casual and, and lawless this becomes. Just because, well, I authority, therefore you have to do what I say is basically their talking points now. Or their marching orders. Like, they're, I, do, I don't even think they care what the actual law is. If they If their authorities tell them this is what they're supposed to do, that's their marching order that day. And it seems pretty clear. He does have to. No, he doesn't. Comments, fill me no, from the I sidewalk. Don't. Fuck off. Your comments, fill me from the sidewalk. Yep. Yeah, you're doing it. Right. Yes, I know. You're abusing I'm old men. That you're not a Canadian. I swung at you with Phil, so you're fine. Because I tuned the horn. Yeah. Yeah, it's called communism. It's called communism. Okay, so first of all, just to be clear, now again, just you know, the idea of whether this is communism or not is irrelevant to what we're talking about because any government, as we can clearly see today, can lead to where we are. Like, I don't understand why people are going, it's communism. Like you, we're all, they're all screaming democracy, right? So can we not take a moment and realize that democracy is what led here? Why isn't that the point? Why is it that we're going to communism that scares these people? Why don't we realize that democracy and our illusion of it led us to here? <laughs> the point, guys, is these partisan ideas are just what they want you to be thinking. I'm not saying communism is good or bad or whatever. Any government, in my opinion, is bad. Now, that's the contentious thing today. People, oh, well, you are American. Yeah, so you're just not there yet. We have to realize that governments are bad. The governments are the problem, not to say that there can't be a world in which we have something in that form that works. I'm just, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't think I'll ever get there, but I can acknowledge it's possible. The reality is it should be your choice in all things. At the end of the day, it is about the actual concept of freedom and self-responsibility and self-ownership, whatever else we want to talk about. The governments today are the ones that are driving all of this in under a guise of fighting for what's best for you. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to watch how this is very clearly led to this exact moment. These people are standing there acting like they're enforcing their democracy. 
It's crazy to me. But my point was, he literally said openly, that's why I pulled you over. So let's be clear. This, for, as much as it's trying to be debated, they are actually pulling people over and actually arresting people for honking their horn. I mean, so should you not then enforce that against the, the car companies, right? Why are you making cars with horns if it's now illegal to honk your horn? What about if you're in an accident and you need to honk your horn? Like, it's just ridiculous. Of course, it's because it's in the context of where they said it's suddenly illegal. From here to there, in this protest area, you can't honk your horn. You see what I mean? How can you prove that I honked in support? How about that? Prove that in a court of law, because that's really what it's about. You're not allowed to honk in support of this protest. That's, I'm not even making that up. It's written down. Watch how this goes. And watch how hostile this cop is as this guy, regardless of how obnoxious he is, I'm talking about the guy filming, is doing what he's completely within his rights. It's communism. You don't have to show anything. You didn't do anything wrong. I know that. You have the right of freedom, of choice. You have the right to beep your horn or whatever. Why are you doing this? Because it's an offense. Of what? Offense to beep your horn. No, it is. See, I mean, guys, let's not make. Let's not. This is literally what he's saying. It is an offense to beep your horn, and he's right. It is not. That's not a law. This is a, this is a emergency level man. I mean, think about how dumb that is because of these people protesting that they don't like the way they're doing it, the way they're, you know, whatever that they're just saying, well, you nah, you can't even hawk and support and we're going to make that against the law. That's literally tyranny. That is authoritarian totalitarianism, guys. I, there's no other way to put that. You can't just arbitrarily make this a law, a, a sudden state, a, a crime or however you want to frame this because they say it is. Just because they go, oh, we're in an emergency. Well, why? Because COVID. So what in the world does that have to do with what's currently happening right here? Is honking the horn making him more at risk from COVID? Obviously not. This is just a thing that they want to stop. I just saw today, or right before I went live, in fact, that the White House, Biden's administration, is calling on the Canadian government to use federal power to literally step in and physically stop this. This is where it's going, guys. This is not by accident. It's not an offense since when? Tell me it's not. I have it written down that it is. It's actually. So you're. See, that's my point. I have it written down that it is. Does this guy understand his job? Clearly not. Right. What's the Constitution? What's the What's the actual legal stand? What's the legal? Uh, wow, well, forget the term. You know the numbers that you know a dash seven whatever. What is What's the actual description of the law? Right. That's not what this is. This didn't go through Parliament. They didn't vote on this. That's not how this happened. This was an emergency mandate. Like everything else that has happened since the beginning of this, you know, the 14-day, three-year period we're rolling into right now. And they're pretending that that just makes sense, which just like with the Patriot Act, guys, look, we're, we're, we're going on year three here, right? I mean, think about how crazy that is. And it's just like we told you, this is a forever, man. This, year, this is now transitioning into how they're going to conduct themselves. It's a forever emergency. Therefore, you have forever dictates and mandates from authoritarians under a guise of how that's safe for you because we're in an emergency. What, for four years, five years? How long does that last? How can you possibly be in an emergency for three years? That doesn't even make sense. It actually undermines the very definition of it, but nobody cares because that's been happening since the opioid crisis, since 9-11. They got multiple emergencies going at multiple times. You're standing with your lying government? Your lying cop? You know that your superior is a liar and he went on the media lying to the Canadian people? Now you're doing this? What's your bat name and badge number? Jones. Jones. There. You have everything you need to have me fired. Yeah, for what they're doing to an old man. Right? That's a, a citizen yeah. of Canada. You're just a horny. It's yeah. 
That's right. Not that so is everybody who lives here. Like right. Doesn't matter. matter. This, is, this is the capital them? of Canada. Drop your man. Do you not see how ridiculous? What about them? Right. What? What? The crime of, of assaulting their ears with sound? Right. Like maybe if you're up with an air horn three feet, three inches from their face, you could argue that that's actually like some kind of I mean, that you could literally blow someone's eardrum out. But when you're driving along the street, he's pointing at apartments over there. So now they, how dare we we infringe on their silence? It's crazy to pretend like this makes sense. It's not. This is punitive. That's all it is. And stand down. You're not doing your job. You're representing hate. You're a terrorist. You're a terrorist. You're representing hate. No. You're representing hate. That's right. He's a he's a supporter for Canadian freedom. He who cares? They shouldn't live in the capital of Canada. Then they better leave. Because until the mandates are ended, this is not going to stop. Stop harassing old men. You don't have to show them anything. It's against the law. He doesn't. For what? Hey. What are you doing? Hey. Hey. Okay. So my point here is you have to acknowledge that this guy is being really invasive, but doesn't mean he's breaking the law or violating anything. That's why the cop didn't do anything. So as much as he's being irritating to the cop, which in frankly, I don't care about because he's being, a, 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 you know, whatever. The cop reacts this way because the guy fails to ID himself. Like this is how you treat a violent criminal, right? He grabs his arm, throws it behind his back and violently throws this old man to the ground, regardless of how he seems loopy, regardless of anything else. That's not how this is. This mad cop angry about people not doing what they're told. This did nothing about this is legitimate. Does anybody feel it's acceptable that this is how you get treated because you fail to ID yourself? Is that even actually a law in normal times? I don't think it is in the United States in most places, even though they pretend it is. In most states, you don't have to actually carry a license on you. I shouldn't say most. It's been a long time since I looked that up, but there are plenty. But the the problem is the way that they act here, the violence with which he conducts himself with an old man. That's assault. I've got it all on video. For what? Not gonna stop, man. You don't. Have to against the law. For what? Hey. What are you doing? Hey, hey. That's assault. I've got it all on video. So honking your horn. Hey, hey. Get back. We're back. We're filming. We're doing our part. All right. So this basically the rest of it. This guy, the guy that came come up comes up right now. You know, starts cussing and yelling at this cop. The cop doesn't respond to this guy right here. You know, which he has every right to. Like, let's be clear about that, too. Like, this idea that you can't, like, curse at a cop. Oh, you can't be disrespectful. Screw that. Like, I, that's ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it's well within your rights to curse and yell and scream and do whatever you want. That's your right. That's called free speech. Just because they want to get violent and act like you cussing is a threat to them, which means they feel threatened. Therefore, they can attack you, which they do. And that's actually how they argue that even in court all the time. It's just crazy. It's subjective and it means nothing because you have a right to say those things. But nonetheless, if you know, I'm not saying you should be disrespectful when you don't feel it's necessary. It's up to you. You can do it is my point. But, you know, as always, be ready for the consequences because these cops don't care about the law, right? But it goes forward to where this cop, this guy gets arrested. 
you know, and they're being, it's ridiculous the way they handle themselves with this very old man who is in his, you know, they, they walk him all the way back. The, the people all around are yelling and screaming at them. Nobody supports this. This is what happens in Ontario when you honk your horn and then, I guess, fail to pull out your ID for not breaking the law. It just breaks my heart that this is where we are and this is how people are being treated and that these cops don't care. In fact, they're so upset and irritated that you won't do what you're told that they're just acting out in violent, irrational, unlawful ways. But welcome to the new normal, guys. Now, starting on the UK data, and this is the last year we're going to do UK data, and then we're going to finish with the 2020, 2021, 2022 comparison. Now, this is important because we, I, I, I check this before we do these reports every time. So last time, we, now between, we saw that Scotland has now officially started talking about fully injected. Now, somebody in our Discord... I haven't double checked this, but from Scotland is telling us she's from Scotland. I think it was a her and saying that they've now upped it to basically and I, they're saying that three shots. It's more so kind of what the U.S. is doing, I guess, where they're already giving fourth shots, sort of like in Israel. But now it's like up to date scenario or how U.K. is like this is the point. U.K. is still doing this as of right here. They're, t- they're still arguing, and this is the most up-to-date of their government. This is their their link, and I think it was last time it was updated was the end of last year, and that's the most up-to-date that I could find. Right. And the only things you'll find is it says you must have had both doses to be considered fully vaccinated in the UK. Then down here, you can have this conversation from Reuters from November 15th, where it says fully vaccinated currently means you've received two, but they're now discussing this, right? They're adapt, they're discussing adapting the definition. As far as I can tell, it has not happened. I can't see any evidence anywhere in any of the links looking this stuff up where it's the point is they're still you know, straddling this line and pretending two doses means fully vaccinated while pushing the third dose. That's what the U.S. is doing by using up to date, trying to play the game. But a lot of them are doing that. So they're playing this game where it's like not it's up to date. Or what does it say right here? Fully definition to account for boosters. There, was, I thought there was a term down here. Basically, same kind of thing, up to date or current or whatever. Right. They're just trying to play this game so they can up to change it later and then just keep the name the same. Right, So where we are here is two doses in the UK is still considered fully injected. That's important for what we're getting into, because if they're going to play this game and they're still pretending two doses is fully injected, then we have a right to point out that that's very clearly contradicting what we're talking about. Just because you want to point to the booster before this flushes out and rush out the information as you manipulate all the data we'll get into doesn't mean that we have to lie to ourselves and acknowledge that two doses still is not what most people are having and they that... 30 seconds ago, that was supposed to be safe and effective and miracle, right? Like, think about like, how about this? What about if tomorrow they said now four doses is the, is the one and three doses you have to, yeah, you're, it's going to, it's waning and you have to get the fourth. So fourth is what we're going to look at. Okay. That moment doesn't just shift into four doses. The data up until that point is still comparing three to the rest of them. You see, that's what they're doing now. They're just jumping over to the third dose and pretending like the two to everything else doesn't matter anymore. How does that even possibly make sense? Especially when people are still going from one to two. So of course we should compare that. Especially when they still pretend it means fully injected. Now here is the first point I want to show you in this report. Vaccination status and cases and deaths and hospitalizations. Now this is interesting to me and this is happening everywhere. Please note that from, uh, from where I can see, like Scotland and so on, please note that from January 31st, 2022, UKHSA moved all COVID-19 case reporting in England to use a new episode-based definition, which includes possible reinfections. Not even just reinfections, but possible reinfections. You don't realize how ridiculously opaque that is and an easy way to just, I mean, and of course, reinfections 
aren't, I mean, if you're actually understanding the full information and the 45 different peer-reviewed studies, I'm being facetious, but there's probably what, 14 to 15 of them, all saying that natural immunity doesn't have that. So what does that open up the door for? In my opinion, if I had to guess at this, it seems to open the door for how they can point at things like this and the comparison and showing you, wow, that seems like it's way worse to, at the very least in regard to catching COVID-19 if you've got three doses compared to none. And we'll go back to this in a minute, right? So, if, but if you do this and suddenly go, but, but some of those are reinfections, we know. It's just an easy way to undermine the total and say, that's the only reason it looks bad because we're counting reinfections too. And that's why we, and natural immunity is different, but you still get the injection, it's still better, but natural, you see what I mean? They can play this game. That's just my thought. But why in the world would including possible reinfections help the picture? First of all, if it's a case, it's a case. So it shouldn't be conflated. I don't know, you get the point. I think this is just one more way of adding to the way they can manipulate data in ways that they want if and when they see fit. Each infection episode is counted separately if there's 91 days between the positive tests. Interesting three-month period, isn't it? I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> Maybe exactly because they completely fall off after three months, as we've talked about a million times. Right? As you've seen in this study, as it dies off instantly and then actually makes you 76% more likely to get sick after three months. Interesting. But I think there's very clear intention there. Now, starting with <clears throat> the new UK report and looking at the cases, this is what I find to be most interesting. Now, the one thing that stood out to me the most, and oh, here, just jumping first to just the numbers, <clears throat> and actually, really quickly, you can remember these from last week, specifically hospitalizations and deaths, we're looking at 70%, 81%. Deaths, mo actually, deaths are the main point because that's what I focused on, on the show today. 81% last week, 47 of which were boosted, which doesn't make sense at all. But the one thing that's standing out more than anything is you can note, like, for instance, in deaths, 18% unvaxxed, 81% vaxxed, 47 being boosted, compared to, to this week, where the unvaxxed went down by 3 4%, and vaxxed went up. So did boosted. Now, that doesn't make sense. Now, they would argue the percentage going up makes sense because more people are getting boosted and vaxxed, but that it didn't go up enough in that time period to account for that, in my opinion. 84% of the population is not full. The bottom line is the vaxxed risk and total is going down. That does not make sense while the boosted goes up. If the, the, It should be the other way around, obviously, <laughs> and that doesn't line up with their narrative. But my point to start with cases here is showing you that. So 32% of the cases total right now in the UK, this is reporting, are, are unvaxxed. 62% of all of them are, are, are injected, 40% of which, 39%, which are boosted. Now, what I find to be interesting is this. Now, if you look at that number, guys, for, the, for those in the podcast, it's the not vaccinated category and every other category of age groupings. I mean, 18 to 29 is the highest with 57,000 compared to 107,000 in the boosted category, which is supposed to be the ones that aren't being affected, but it's quite obviously different, which goes up to 226,000 for 40 to 49. The point being, how in the world are the least it, the least affected, the people who will have the least chance of getting sick, dying, or anything else from this, the under 18s, account for 567,000 of the cases out of a total of, where were we? 2,293. I mean, look at the number of the unvaxxed total. The unvaxxed total is 726,829. And just under 18 accounts for over 550,000 of that number. 
So you just removed that number of under 18s. And this goes down to, I mean, what, 10%, 5%? So my question is, how in the world does that number make sense? Especially when you take a quick look down here at the risk and look at the same thing. And they're, okay, comparing the, the case numbers, they're doing the same thing. They're going, look at these people. The not vaccinated under 18 are so much more risk than the cases for the, not, for the three doses. It's the only category. But wait a minute. If they have that many more cases, the argument would be they must be more represented in the deaths and the hospitalizations, right? Because they're not injected. But when you take a look over here, I mean, guys, it's it's basically statistically insignificant. It's 0.0, .0 point versus 0.1. And that's three doses compared to not injected. The two is way different. So how is it possible that you can have almost five times the amount of cases in the 18 and under? And yet the representation between hospitalizations and deaths is basically not there. That does not make sense. To me, this is an anomaly. And what it shows me is that there's being, these numbers are being dumped in there for some reason. That's my opinion. But on top of that, recognize as we keep showing you that comparing three doses to one dose is, or three doses to no doses is the exact way to play the game with manipulating the information because we know that as you can even see on the reports here, where we're talking about the 21-day period and 14-day periods, we know that they're dumping in anything that happens before that period to the category before it. So if you only show dose three and non-vaccinated, the dose three problems are being dumped back into the twos. The one-dose problems are being dumped back into the unvaccinated. So therefore, unvaccinated looks way larger, and the third dose looks like the smallest. This is not very hard to understand, as we keep showing you, and Alberta admits the same thing. They're telling you right here that these cases, hospitalizations, deaths, are either they were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks of the dose. So if you're diagnosed within 13 days, that case, hospitalization or death, falls back into unvaccinated. It's very simple. So that's why the UK very clearly switched to doing three dose compared to none, because it's easy to hide that two dose period, where if when you really look at it, with Scotland especially, you'll find that the two dose category is way bigger than pretty much everything else. And that's why, in my opinion, it's pretty interesting. But before we get back down to the, the risk overall, I want to just go through the cases, the hospitalizations, the deaths, and show you what I'm seeing. Aside from this interesting anomaly, which is what I think, overall, here's a breakdown. 62% vaccinated cases. And it looks like to me, again, that the booster category does not line up with what they're trying to tell you, right? Because if we look at, let's just do the UK uptake again. Let's see how many, let's see what the category is today. United Kingdom, it looks like boosted accounts for 55%. If you can see that, it's kind of small. There we go. 55.9 was what they're saying as of the, the February 7th. Okay. So looking at the information, this, what you're seeing in this category right here, the third booster dose category, and make sure you notice that it says, but after 14 days, which means that anything before that gets dumped back into two. And that's why it doesn't get shown on the three dose versus unvaccinated, very simple, is that the booster dose accounts for 40%. Now, in the case part of it, you could argue that might make sense statistically, but I still don't think it does. They're not ever arguing a majority or even that much of a number. They're arguing a higher proportion just because that's the majority of people getting the injections. But if you come down here and look at the deaths, you're accounting for the amount. So 55% of the population is boosted, and yet that's the exact percentage, give or take a little, of people dying. 
That's not how that's supposed to work. Think back on any other situation. And I said this before. Historically speaking, I don't know how that gets out of focus sometimes. Historically speaking, looking back at anything, uh, any vaccine situation in the past, does it, would it have made sense then to argue that you're giving smallpox injections and therefore that's why the majority of people in the hospital are the ones who got the injection? You know that doesn't make sense. There's never been a point at which people are struggling through some problem, they're giving them treatment they claim works, and yet then the problem in the hospital is overrepresented the people that got the treatment. That's not how that makes sense. Now, you could argue with something that's clearly not very good that that would make sense and there's still a benefit there. But that's not how they're selling it to you. And I still obviously don't think there's a benefit with all the other problems that are happening after it that aren't being connected with COVID-19. Because that's the other point. Don't forget that all of the information on here and every comparison is only including people who who are allegedly got COVID-19. So if you get these injections and then die from a heart attack and they don't claim it's COVID-19, that doesn't go in this data report. And we know there is a wild, there is an overwhelming amount of heart attacks and blood clots and everything that's just being passed off as whatever else. And maybe you're sure some of them could be just randomly happening coincidentally, but can't we admit that some of them could be the injection seeing as how they admit that it can happen? Of course not. Fake news. And that's where we end up. But I think it's pretty obvious that this representation and all those numbers, it doesn't, it just doesn't add up. Especially when you look at the numbers here, for instance, like he pointing out the over 80s or over 70s who are supposed to be the most at risk and yet they're the most vaccinated population like 90 plus percent and yet look at the booster you have the vast majority of the problem in the booster doses only a thousand in the people who aren't injected now my point is guys if that's the case these over 80s even if it's 90 percent 10 percent of the population of of the 80 percent of the 80 year olds or 70 year olds that's a lot of people they are to argue that it just doesn't make sense anyway i've made that point far too many times but I think it's pretty clear that this doesn't make sense. Going to hospitalizations next, same point. I don't understand how that representation makes sense <clears throat> for people that are clearly at the lowest risk, as we actually just showed the Oxford calculator over here. Hospital, actually, remember, this is the point we showed you the other day. For whatever reason, if you get a test, suddenly your risk exponentially increases. Isn't that strange? That's what Oxford calculator, the COVID calculator is showing you. This is under 19. The point is the risk of catching and dying from COVID for anybody under 19 with no comorbidities is literally one in a million. That's a fact backed up by CDC data and whatever else. And then the risk of catching and being admitted to the hospital for under 19, no comorbidities. Again, 0.3%. This one is 0.004%. All of that is dramatically less than the flu, right? But if for whatever reason you get a test before doing either of those things, or if you had gotten a test and then you suddenly get sick for whatever reason, risk of getting catching COVID and being admitted to the hospital following a test, oh, exponentially more dangerous. How does that even possibly make sense unless, guys, that reveals the illusion slam dunk. It's That's clear. I can't even think of another reason that would make sense. The test being given increases your risk, not really, but the perceived risk. Because now you're on a list of people that are supposed to be sick. And if you later go to the hospital, that gets counted as a hospitalization. In the UK, specifically, if you ever die after having a COVID test positive, you go down as a death. They've admitted that. The Scotland data says that verbatim right here. And I was going to get to it in a minute, but it says it right here. And that, this is part of the UK. A confirmed COVID death is defined as an individual who has tested positive by, by, by PCR test at any point 
at any point and has COVID-19 listed on underlying or uh, contributory cause of death on the death certificate. Vaccine status is determined at the time of death, which means they play that 21 period manipulate period right there. But if you get a test and you're on the record and you die, that's going to go on your death certificate. That's already been discussed. The UK has admitted that. That's the, the, the mainstream media has even reported on that, calling it the curious case of the forever COVID test. It's crazy. So, where was I? Lost my place. I'll just go back to this. So the, the point, nonetheless, is that does not add up to me, even remotely. Because these are the, oh, we were down here at the over 80s in general. That's what we were talking about. But just jumping over to this information for hospitalizations, 70% of all the hospitalizations in the UK in this last month were people who had injections. 45% of that number were boosted. And you know that does not make sense. Only 29% of the hospitalizations are people that were injected. And in Ontario specifically, if you keep showing, the number is consistently above 50%. And my point continues to be, if you look back, here's hospitalizations, 29%, 70%, 29 unvaxxed, 70% vaxxed. Here we are now, 29%, 70%. Oh, I guess that one's reasonably the same, but but here's the point with the boosted. 40% last week, 40% hospitalizations. Suddenly this week, 46%. Now I'm telling you, the percentage did not go up enough for that to make sense. Oh, excuse me, right here. Oh, well, see, I must have made a mistake there because I thought that, I, you know, I probably did the same thing. Hold on. Oh, no, I'm just not going down far enough. Excuse me for being confusing. Right there. Hospitalizations, 40%. Going down all the way, hospitalizations, 45%. Okay, back to the point. 70% vaxxed. Going to the deaths. We have same idea. Now, here is an interesting point. Why is that not the same representation, right? If these people are uninjected and they're supposed to be at risk, like they keep screaming about, and yet you're pretending that they're wildly overrepresented in the cases, which is like like, like it's 80% of the total in the non-injected category, which is ridiculous. And same with hospitalizations, which means they're getting sick enough to go to the hospital, but then the lowest category for deaths in both of them, Come on, that does not make sense, guys. That, in my opinion, is manipulation. Something is being dumped into the category of the people that aren't at risk and probably being used as a a way to push in to vaccinate children. Because remember, once they can get that approved, they get indemnity. The RFK juniors talked about that, and they no longer have to worry about getting uh, being held accountable for what's happening after these shots. It's pretty weird to me. Now, the data on the deaths are even more obvious. The biggest category in every single thing we're looking at is the most, the, the supposedly the most protected after the third dose. So yeah, totally makes sense. Now I want to point out a, something else I'm glad you just remembered. Note how these numbers are super low on the one dose category. And I just want to show you the same kind of thing with this Scotland idea is that it seems to me that it's pretty clear that there's these weird gaps where you have this higher dose two and higher vaccinated category despite the risk, despite the information, it doesn't seem to make sense with that. And then you all, then you have to remember the 14 day period, 20 day period, these things are being dumped down. And so you end up with this hollow dose one and currently looking hollow dose three number. Oh, and then this one, oh, I'll get to that in a second. Finishing with the deaths in general, just, we'll just go here in general. The point being guys out of over 6,000, over 5,000 deaths, almost 6,000, 54% of all of the deaths are boosted. 
84% of all of them are injected. That just does not make sense. These are people dying, guys, right? There's no way they could have sold you that 80% of the population, doesn't matter if 90% is injected, that 80% of the deaths would be people in that category. There's no way you would have been like, sign me up. That just does not make sense. That, and that's 28 days afterward. 60 days goes up 1%. That also doesn't make sense. So the longer, the point is this risk is com- clearly concentrated on the side of the fully injected. Even though they're arguing the risk per 100,000 is lower, I don't personally think it adds up to make sense in what we're looking at right here, especially since you can see that the cases in almost every ca- every category except for under 18 is much, much higher despite their manipulations. Look at, I mean, look at the 40 to 49. You're talking 4,687 per 100,000 compared to 1,726. Similar increases on almost every single category. That's the pandemic of the injected. Now, if you compare the fully injected category, which is what they're actually still pretending it is, two doses, it is ridiculous. And the same with these categories here. I actually, I mean, we already saw, I think it was Joel Smalley is the one that did one of these articles and he proved it to you. The two doses through the roof and that's how they're hiding the risk by dumping it over to, to two and, and posting the third dose manipulated data. My opinion, based on the information in front of us, but it's easy to look up. It's all posted and they explain this stuff in front of you. 85 plus percent in all these categories and over 50 in the boosted guys. It's just ridiculous. Now I'll include this for you guys that want to look at it. This is Scotland, but it's showing you very clearly what we're talking about. Anything that's 20, 20 days and below before the dose one gets dumped into unvaccinated. This is Scotland we're pointing at. And we know that that is where all of the problem is happening. All right, this was Ontario's data before they removed this because it got, they didn't want people to see it. I mean, I just I mean, the vast majority of the problem happens within the first 21 days. 70% of the deaths, in fact, 70% of all the deaths after the first shot happened within the first 21 days. And that's why, here's the actual article right here. I forgot I had it open. They do that, right? 14 days is 55% of all the deaths. 21 days goes all the way to 70%. How does it make sense for anybody to think moving 70% of whatever we're dealing with over to a category that it wasn't in because you just arbitrarily made a time frame makes sense? That's blatantly dishonest. And this point again, to make sure we saw this, that they're in Scotland and everywhere else for that matter, they're playing this game. COVID-19 related hospitalizations. This is what it means in Scotland. You didn't see it the other day. Up to 14 days prior to hospitalization, you have a positive test. So you just have a positive test and you go to the hospital for a broken leg. That gets counted just because you took that test 14 days before, whether or not it was a false positive or on the day of or day following admission. So you could get admitted for a broken leg and the next day get tested and that's a hospitalization. You know that does not make sense, guys. That is blatantly dishonest. How can you be tested afterward and pretend that counts as a hospitalization because you're erring on the side of what makes your narrative look good? In between hospital admission and discharge. So you're going for a broken leg, you treat the broken leg, and on your way out, you get tested and that gets counted as a hospitalization. Or just arbitrarily, if you happen to be 14 years old, we don't count it anyway which seems to make sense because they're literally not in danger from anything based on all the data we can see, except weirdly in the UK, for whatever reason, the numbers are the exact opposite. Well, we're not even counting them in Scotland, but here they are going way over the top. Meanwhile, the deaths are not there. Data is, I mean, I just saw an article came out today. There's like lies, more lies. And they, they are lying with statistics, guys. This is what they do. 
Now, don't forget, here's what it says under Scotland's data. Dose one and dose two populations include individuals who have ex exceeded the recommended dose and on and on. Data in this table should not be used as a measure of vaccine effectiveness due to unaccounted for biases and risk factors, which is what we were saying in the beginning with the age grouping and why we shouldn't combine the risk from older people to younger people for COVID-19 risk. And they said, you're a dumb cons conspiracy theorist and you don't understand how this data works, except now they're doing the exact same thing where it work works for the narrative. Sound familiar? 28 cycle threshold versus 40. It's everything they keep doing. It's in your face and it's obvious and people that don't see it are choosing to ignore it or they don't understand it. It's that simple. So my point in showing you that is here's what the UK came out with today. Guess what, guys? Boosters prevented over 105,000 hospitalizations according to the UK Health Security Agency and their estimates because we know how well their estimates have worked out so far, right? And, you know, we've also caught them willfully lying about those estimates. Booster vaccinations are estimated to have prevented this many hospitalizations. Okay, let's look into that. This was today. The study, I'll show you which one in a minute, found that since December 13th, when Omicron infections started to become more dominant and estimated, and don't forget after that period is when they came back and said, we were wrong. It's only 24%, but we just forgot that ever happened and pretended like it wasn't there. But it goes on to say when Omicron infections became more dominant and estimated 105,600 hospitalizations have been prevented in those age 25 and over. Like how you could even possibly know that, by the way, is you'll see what, how, why they don't know that before I get there. Like, think about it for a second. How could you possibly know that you avoided hospitalization? Their, their argument is simply, well, they got an injection. They didn't go to the hospital. Therefore, <laughs> anyway, it's the Rogaine argument, right? The results up to February 6th were gathered by what? Comparing vaccine effectiveness against hospitalization from boosters with effectiveness from just two doses. Okay, where'd they get that from? The data was combined with vaccine coverage across the population observed hospitalizations during the period. Of course, it's estimated. Just make sure you keep seeing that, that this is a guess. The full analysis is published in the weekly vaccine surveillance report. What's that? Oh, the thing we were just looking at? Isn't that revealing? Okay, so make sure we understand that they're telling you, do not look at this information and use it to decide vaccine efficacy because you're too dumb to understand it. And that's not how this is supposed to be used. We've all heard that, right? Over and over for the last month, two months, because the data suddenly started showing what they didn't like. And so they go, no, no, don't look at it like that. It's written everywhere and all, you will see it in everything they put out in all places. Then they use that data to do something they like. So they go, no, you can't do it because it's not supposed to be used that way. Then they grab it and they use it that way and go, look at how many hospitalizations we saved. <laughs> <sighs> it's just it, it's just painful to watch how this keeps happening. Bottom line is they're using the data that we're looking at and comparing them to argue that this saved people from hospitalization. But when we look at that same data and compare the same statistics to point out that this does not add up with why it's effective for the injected, they go, no, 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 you can't do it like that. Hashtag science. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. But one last point in comparison is that this is, uh, no, wait, let me see, this one, Shoot, I knew I'd forget. Oh, I, have, I wrote it right up here. Okay, so this one is week six. This is this is this this is this week's report. And remember, it's this week's report, but it's covering the last month, and it's just one week forward. Same thing here. This is week five, so this is one week back. Now, just compare the rates of the again inject not injected versus three doses, which we know that should be two, or at the very least include two and three, so you can really see what's going on. That's why they're hiding this. But look at the breakdown. This is last time. Again, that doesn't make sense to me, but regardless, every single category is higher. 
That is the pandemic of the injected because we know they're transmitting it more. The people that means they're spreading it more. If the majority of the cases, which is that what this is showing you and the risk are on the side of the injected, that's a pandemic of the injected because they're telling you the transmission is what we need to stop, right? I don't know how that even factors in the uninjected these, at this point. It just seems ridiculous. At the very least, or at the, at the most, you could argue that they're at more risk of being hurt, but then that's their choice and it's their body. And I don't agree with that anyway. This has suddenly shifted. You know, you notice the, the glaring absence of a certain phrase they used to use a lot, pandemic of the unvaccinated. Where did that go? You'll still hear it here and there, but the reason it got pushed away is because it's very ridiculous to say right now. Because their own narrative from like a month ago is challenging that right this moment. But that's, you could make that same point every month for this whole entire thing. But jumping it forward, you'll just notice how, oh, I thought it closer so you could look at that easier. Shoot. I took a second to have it lined up so it was easier to, anyway, so it's close enough. You can see how much it increases, right? This side is going up. This side is going down. That's the opposite of what would happen. I think it's pretty obvious what's going on. And as always, we include these, the two-week period, the manipulation, where all the problem is happening, and now they're dumping that back into other things. And it's most of the problem. That's, that, that's deaths, hospitalizations, and cases. It's all happening like that in every category, but primarily in the first dose. And that's why the unvaccinated category is being manipulated more than anything. And even so, it's still lower. And the risk is still higher. It's just, I don't know how you can miss that. Now, to finish off, this is really important because it just, it's undeniable. Now, as I said in the beginning, you could very clearly point out that there could be other reasons. I'm not suggesting that that's not the case. I don't, I think I, I have a handle on this, but that's my opinion. As always, I'll let you come to your own conclusions about it. But what it shows you is pretty clear. Currently, we are, this country and most countries are struggling way more now than they were during 2020 with no miracle jab to save their lives. Now that they have the miracle jab to save their lives, we're in a worse position than ever. And yet they're the ones spreading it more than anybody else. And yet it's somehow this unvaccinated category's fault which more than ever is that ridiculous. Like even they know that's ridiculous at this point. But it says, oh dear, transport minister reminds the house that we are still in the middle of a pandemic and that our thousands of people are in the hospital. He gets heckled, which is interesting to me. Obviously he's wants somebody still trying to maintain the narrative, but that he gets heckled is interesting because it should be heckled, but that it he gets heckled by the government. It's just, it's interesting to watch this kind of fall apart at the same time. I don't know, it's confusing. It really is, because I, these people were some of the people that were pushing this forward before. But it says there are thousands of people in the hospital all the time, and that's a good point. The longer this goes on, the more and more people will be in the hospital due to mandates, restrictions, and forced vaccination. 100% agree. Just to start off the point, this person says, we are far worse off in February 2022 than we were in February 2020 and 2021. Why do you think that is? That's something you should ask yourself. Let's, let's go to a fact check. Did more Americans die from COVID-19 in 2021 than 2020? Well, let's see what the fact check says. While our resistance to the virus has improved with the vaccine, I completely disagree. I mean, that's just utterly fake news based on all of the information in front of us, but let's let them have that. December 2nd, U.S. Representative Roger Williams and uh, said in the meme, an email, quote, According to the latest data from Johns Hopkins University, the number of COVID-19 deaths recorded so far in 2021 has surpassed the total for 2020. Now, to be very clear, I'm in no way suggesting that that's in fact what's happening. I know as a matter of fact, that number is not accurate. And I mean that as a matter of fact, to what degree we can have a conversation about that. But the PCR false positives, 
the as the liter- what we literally just read to you about. Oh, I think I skipped that last part, didn't I? No, I didn't. Okay, good. That's why I literally just read to you right here about the deaths. Right? I mean, you have a test and die, and it's a death anyway. So we know that's inaccurate. Again, the the amount it is is up in the air. But I think it's pretty clear that we can't take that at face value. So just so we know that, I'm not suggesting it is, but using their narrative as always, the point is that their narrative is telling you that there's been more deaths. How does that make sense with what they're telling you this thing is doing for people, right? And this 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 whole thing starts out like it seems like they're going to debunk this whole thing. They don't. He linked this increased level of deaths to President Joe Biden and credited the vaccine development to former President Trump, which is funny. They're trying to make it sound like he's being inconsistent. <laughs> like, well, no, obviously what's happened under Biden should be credited to Biden, but we have to acknowledge that Trump's actions have led to, it's, it, it's, it's a hand-holding effort here, guys. Trump led to here. Without Trump's actions and state of emergency and the, the this, um, Defense Production Act and every other thing they did, wouldn't we wouldn't be here. Biden would not have been able to drive in what he did without Trump's actions. So just because it got worse, which we knew it would under Biden does not mean Biden is the only thing that made it worse, right? I mean, I have to recognize that if you had flipped and Biden was president first and Trump came in later, it would be reversed. I know you don't want to believe that Trump supporters, but that's the reality because Trump allowed all of this to happen just because he said different things does not change that narrative versus reality. But here we're looking at the point that Biden's situation has clearly gotten really bad, but that's also because of what happened before. But then giving Trump the credit for the injection, he's obviously correct because he clearly spearheaded the operation. Now, it's funny because now people on his supporter side are kind of like, well, I mean, I kind of want to blame it on Biden, but Trump keeps telling us it's his thing. We should support it. It just doesn't, we have to realize they're all part of this, guys. But even the media is kind of like, well, we don't want to credit Trump, but at the same time, Biden shouldn't be blamed. Oh, what do we do? We also found on December 21st, a tweet, it says, by Williams that said, Americans are worse off under this administration than ever before. Again, trying to use it to make partisan points. It's not, a, it's not an administration thing. It's all of it. It's a government thing, guys. All of it. We are worse off after this started, and we still are. That's the point. More COVID death under President Biden than President Trump. Well, again, that just doesn't make much sense when Trump's the one that pushed forward the injection that they're using, which in my point is causing all of the problems that I believe. Got to make sure you acknowledge that. But it says, so indeed, the number of COVID-19 deaths in 2021, as reported by the CDC, exceeds the number of deaths reported in 2020. Very clear. At the bottom, again, it says 2020 is in is a 10-month period, while 2021 is a full pandemic year. Now, even factoring that in, it's still, I mean, I don't even, that's a false argument because you can look at, fine, we'll just look at nine months, 10 months. We'll look at eight months, and it's still worse. <laughs> so pretending, no, no, that's unfair. It's just a sidestep. Comparing the exact timeframes or even looking at, again, February now to February then, it's very clear. But it says there were also a Delta, there was also a Delta surge in summer 2021, even though we know now looking back still that was not more dangerous. The injections were causing these problems after vaccines had become widely available to the public. But see, what that seems to do is undermine that the vaccine stopped working because of Delta. But they're, they're going, no, no, it was perfect until Omicron. <laughs> Oops, it's not though. We should know that because even on TV, they were stating it. You can show them saying it and tam- timestamp it to Delta. Stop, transmission stopped. It's like they just pretend, they, they think you're too dumb to look back a couple of months. Finally, we rate this claim as true. I was actually surprised to see that. I'm like, gee, look at how much they wrote about this. Like, do you ever see that when they're saying something is true but the mainstream media? It's like two paragraphs and they go, they said this, here's the truth, it's true. You, the reason there's like... 14 paragraphs is because they're doing everything they can to go, but here's why. It's not what you think. Let me explain. And that's not a fact check. That's propaganda. 
right? And the real, and my point is not that you shouldn't have context, but they're making, they're just subjectively pulling out hypothetical scenarios. That's not fact checking. That's just making up things that this could be, this could be. Well, how about we also say it could be because the injection, wouldn't that be fair if you're hypothetically thinking of scenarios? But of course that one's not there. We all know this though. This is just how these fact checks work, but they're telling you the point is that yes, unequivocally, more people have died in 2021 than 2020, despite the injection, which does not make sense to their narrative. Now, for starting with deaths, here's the total. This is this is uh, specifically uh, where was the I, I had a I just just looking at it for crying out loud. Oh, okay. So here's what we're looking at in general. So we're talking about total total, and the point in general. This 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 point should be all around the world. Just so we're clear. The next one is just the United States. That's what I was going back and forth on. But <clears throat> just looking at the deaths. So we can argue like it started. I mean, like really started, you know, right around April, let's say March and April, right? Now, I'm not suggesting anything, you know, whatever. I'm just saying with the, when the numbers were being thrown at us, that's when we started seeing that, right? Even though there was some coming in. So realistically, you should go all the way back to the beginning, but let's just say March forward. Okay. So here's 2020 right here. Here's where it ends. For those that can see that, I'll zoom in a little bit right there. Okay. So let's, let's even round it up and give them that and call it 2 million. <clears throat> okay. So at the end of 2020, even removing the first couple of months, that's, you know, 2 million. Okay. So just going into 2021 alone and only going to, you know, let's just keep it back to October. That's 5 million. Okay. You went up by 3 million, go even only going to October. That's, there's, that's ridiculous. That, that should be like, we should be standing up going, whoa, okay, wh- what just happened? Like, if we're pointing back at the other one going, look at the excess mortality. And, and then this is happening right in front of us with 3 million over only two before, and yet they have the miracle injection supposed to be saving lives. That's undeniable. Now, again, you could argue something else happened. What, I mean, you have to hopefully prove it, <laughs> but it's a fair argument. I would argue on top of that, which is what, which is what gets them in a little sticky situation. Because they would love to point at that and and, hi, and say the vaccine wasn't the problem, but you have to point at lockdowns, masks, restrictions, everything they've done, which is clearly hurting people and increasing the death. But they don't want to point at that. It's interesting, right? But this is in the context of COVID nineteen. I'm saying well, all those things are being lumped in together in the beginning, and now they're not. There's a lot of manipulation. But the bottom line is, five million from two million is ridiculous, especially when they're supposed to be giving you something that's saving everyone's lives. Here is cases. This is even crazier. Okay. So let's again start at, well, again, do March, do the same thing right here. Okay. So we're talking to 2020, 19 million. And let's remember, this is the most unrealistic number of anything we're pointing at because of the false, the wildly high false positive PCR test, which is admitted to by the New York Times in 2007 about the epidemic that wasn't, which is admitted, admitted by the creator before he weirdly died in a mysterious way, before the or, I mean, the guy I pointed out in the beginning of all this, the guy who used PCR tests to test muscles in the water and for di- totally different reasons, for genetic purposes. And he came out in the beginning and was like, that's weird. They're using this test. Like I use it, it's valid, but there's a, I get false positives like crazy. Nobody cared, right? It's just, it's so obvious that that's, these numbers are, it's overblown for sure. On top of the fact we've combined flu and pneumonia that weirdly disappeared for two years in a row. That's crazy. No, it's not. It's obvious what's happening, but 19 million, 19.5. You can see the graph guys. It's just ridiculous. So let's just go to the, again, we'll go to October. 
44 million. 44 million. Going all the way to here, we're at 75 million with the miracle injection saving lives, right? Guys, I should have done the math on that. What is that an increase of? From 14 million to 75 million. There's no misunderstanding that. This has gotten out of control in within the narrative. I do not believe we're in actual danger. I mean, look, their data shows you're not in danger. Again, you are not at risk. The vast majority of people are well, well below the risk of flu. And that's backed up by their own data. This is why they refuse to break it down by age before you get COVID, but only after the injection because it shows you that you're not at risk. They can't force it on, an eight, on a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or a five-month-year-old if they have a one in a million chance of dying and a 0.3% chance of even going to the hospital. Clearly, that's ridiculous, but they're going to do it anyway. They're trying. That's why they're keeping this stuff from your view and pretending like, just keep doing it, it's Omicron or whatever else. They have ruined us, guys. And the people that allowed it are culpable. This is the last point, and this is interesting. Number of coronavirus disease COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. is February 2nd by place of death. Now, check this out. So they're claiming a total deaths of COVID-19 is 880,497. But if you take a note on what the two biggest categories of those are, healthcare setting inpatient and nursing home long-term care. Look at that. So people that were in the hospital, or I mean, you, I, I should be making, because here's, here's my logic here. There's healthcare setting down here, outpatient, and then there's hospice facility, and there's healthcare setting dead on arrival. So there's two other categories for healthcare setting, and there's also a hospice uh, setting. So my point is healthcare setting inpatient is most likely people that were already in the hospital that got tested, like we keep seeing. But I would argue it would probably include some people that went in because maybe they got tested for COVID and thought they were sick, or maybe they were sick, right? So that's included. But we know because we just showed you what they're stating as and what they've admitted now that people were in hospital and because they were like, oh, we're all in danger. Test everybody. Make sure. Everybody suddenly got tested. Everybody suddenly became, that's, this is the problem, right? So the problem is that all these people that were in the hospital who were already dying, people that were already sick, people that were in the, in the hurt nursing homes, long-term facilities that were already dying, that were already sick, or maybe just had comorbidities and then got injections, which ex, 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 expedited the process. These two categories alone, right here, these two, account for 83% of all the deaths. 83%. Seven. 132,849 out of 880,497. 83% of all the deaths in total came from inpatient hospital care and nursing homes. Guys, that is one of the most obvious illusions out of all of this. That's why we all know the New York situation from the beginning. We'll pretend that doesn't make sense now. It's the same thing that's always been happening. That's why the Madazalam and the Remdesivir discussion for these nursing homes and the, the NDRs for people with learning disabilities. We've been watching this happen from day one. These people are being put to death, whether or not those people doing it are aware of that or not. That, can, that may seem like a serious thing to say, guys, but look, if you're giving them something that in the trial showed 53% of the people that died from taking it, even if it was older people, elderly people in the trial, that's who you're giving it to. But we don't even factor that in. We don't consider all the other things that are showing to have wildly clear efficacy on and on and on. 83%. This is an illusion. And I've been saying that in, in one way or another from the very beginning. I recommend you look at Denny Rancourt's research and it makes a mathematical scientific argument for why it's obvious that that's at the very least possible. He's convinced that it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm going in that direction. 
And again, I'm not saying I, I, I'm a hundred percent convinced it's an illusion. I'm on the fence about whether there's something still in the mix that's being used or that was created or that's been a consequence of the mass and the and increased illnesses and whatever else. You know, there's a lot of things to look at the spike protein itself causing the, a lot of things, but we have to realize that it's possible mathematically that this could have been, let's put it this way. If a government hypothetically with all the current situations that were present in 2019 woke up and said, I'm going to fake a pandemic using PCR false positives we knew happened to back in 2007, using flu, pneumonia combined, giving people things that cause illnesses we can call COVID-19, 100% possible. 100%. Doesn't mean it happened. Just make sure you understand that. 100% possible. Then we stand back and look at all the ways that we can see they're lying and their illusions, and then we, it starts to become a little bit hard to miss. But that's where we're going to end it today, guys. I just wanted to make sure we got in there and talked about this today. I mean, I I probably could have made this like a 30 minute show if I really wanted to, but I enjoy talking with you guys. I know how much they all hate that we take people on bit shoot and everyone's like, God, it's four hours. They just can't stand that we go that long. But as always, I think it's driving me crazy today. As I continue to tell you guys, it's more so about what I think is important, you know, and, and that that's what it has to come down to. I, I just can't let people influence the direction I should, I mean, the, to be clear, it's important to me what you guys think. And I actively look in the discord and our communities and I look and I, I, I listen to what I, you think is going on and so on. But it's one factor for me. At the end of the day, it comes down to what I personally think is the most important based on all of that. Not what's most popular, but you guys know that by now. So we're going to keep doing this. Keep fighting for you. Keep backing up the information. And to be quite honest, I personally see a lot more foreign policy coming up quite soon just because I think they're going to want to do everything they can to keep this stuff out of your mind. The Ukraine, all these different situations that are, I don't know, percolating right now and maybe just being put back. I mean, just talked about Israel bombing Syria out of nowhere, that whole thing starting up again. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's coming your way. So we'll be covering it, whatever's going on. See you soon. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy? Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential 
but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.